1: Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show, where, of course, we break down great retailers and the supply chains and the data that they use to make their decisions. Today is unfortunately, well, you know, it's bittersweet. Today is actually our last show uh, to catch you guys up on what's happening, that uh, this content in my wonderful solves, and we're not going anywhere. Uh, moving forward, starting in September, I'm actually going to be moving this content and a lot of the work that we do on the retail supply chain side of things to another wonderful show that we have here at Framewaves Waves called the Stockout. You might know the show; it's on on Mondays uh, with Mike Bowden Distel, and he goes through a number of CPG-related uh, content. And a lot of the content that we cover is is very similar. So. Uh, we decided over here at Freight Waves that we're going to combine the shows. It's still going to be called The Stockout. Uh, and moving forward in September, myself and Mike will be actually co-hosting the show. If you're a fan of the radio show, this is probably content that you're already used to, as Mike does come on the show every Thursday, and him and I talk through The Stockout and a lot of the content that we both talk about on this show. So we're really taking that from the radio and putting that on air here on Freight Waves TV. So... Uh, for everyone who's a part of this community, I want to thank you so much for being a part of it. And actually, moving forward, you'll start receiving the stockout newsletter instead on Monday. Instead of the our uh, point of sale uh, newsletter, you'll get the stockout newsletter uh, every week. I believe we'll on Fridays now moving forward. So you'll still get the newsletter. If there's new viewers out there listening or watching the show today, uh, I would highly suggest that you join our new community, uh, The Stockout as well. Just head to freeways.com slash The Stockout, T-H-E-S-T-O-C-K-O-U-T. There we go. Uh, And uh, of course, you can sign up and get that content. If you head over to our front page, hit newsletters, you'll see a link to The Stockout as well. So again, this is our last episode and I figured as our last episode, I, I wanted to look back on the show in the last couple of years that I've been helping with this. I also want to give a shout out to Andrew Cox. Who, If you are a longtime Freightways fan, you remember Andrew. He, of course, hosted the show uh, prior to me being here, and I took it over for him when he left. Uh, so this would not be here without him today. So shout out to Andrew and shout out to Free for giving me this wonderful platform too. Uh, but again, it's the last show. So let's go through some of our clips. And I'm, I'm really excited because we're also going to talk about a number of areas that I think we all need to focus on moving forward in the retail supply chain as well. And I do want to give a shout out to one of my favorite guests, big fans of the show, and just been a wonderful supporter of the content that I've created as well on various social media forms. And that's uh, GXO's Chief Investment Officer, Mark Manduka. now. Mark has been on the show a couple of times now, and I figured why not catch up to where we last uh, talked with him on GXO. Uh, this is actually uh, an episode that came uh, a little after GXO had been formed and spun off of XBO. So we're going to dive into a chat that we had here briefly with him on how GXO is leveraging technology within warehousing today.
2: In terms of specific technology, I think it's more of a more of a catch-all this, which is for me, the thing that really gets me in the current environment is how we're saving money for customers in what is an environment where retail inventories are clearly running, particularly in the US, at very high levels. We alleviate that problem for customers by using software and hardware solutions. And we're lowering the SKUs for them, we're improving their ESG metrics, in turn raising their margins by removing wastage from the system. I mean, if you think about, Grace, some retailers, they're running at 80% of their retail emissions coming from the supply chain. So we come in and we make your inventory more efficient and in turn, improve your margins and take your emissions down substantially. There are lots of examples of margins going up by X and emissions going down by that same X. So it's a a game changer what we offer.
1: Now, if you know me, you know I like to have fun with the content that I create as well. And so Mark is one of those guys where I'm like, I got to get him to laugh a little bit. And I think... Uh, as we wrapped up that chat here, I, I got an opportunity to do so and in, uh, an interesting one. And yeah, you guys have a very uh, I, I call it a no man left behind mentality. And I actually yep. if pre- let me bring up a picture really quick to prove this. Uh, this right here. <laughs> you didn't even want Milton to not be there, right? Like he had to be. I saw this picture, I said, yes. This is a this is perfect example. <laughs> Of culture at Gxo, You guys can take that down now. And I, I think it proves right there, right? That you have to have everyone <laughs> involved and everyone's a part of the team. And if you're not there, you're going to be there in spirit no matter what.
2: <laughs> that was great.
1: You know, uh, one of the best things about being a part of Freight Waves and having this uh, wonderful platform is that we get to talk with right great leaders across the space. And for me, I like to humanize those leaders as well and allow you to know them in a different way than maybe you see them on MSNBC or some of these larger uh, media conglomerates as well. So happy to have him on. But I also like to have fun with our own uh, team here as well. And and one area in particular that I think we need to continue watching and we'll continue covering on the stock Out too is changing consumer trends. And we got a chance to talk about this with two of my favorite uh, individuals, Mary O'Connell, O'Connell uh, from the check call and running on ice. And then of course, Thomas Watson, both of them have been really great contributors to the radio show with me as well. And so I check out this interesting clip here in particular with Thomas, uh, as we go over changing consumer trends in the past too. Well, I used to do a lot pandemic wise. I did a lot of online because you do like Costco orders for two day delivery. Uh, It's hard to get toilet paper. Remember when it was the toilet paper and paper towel crunch when those hoarded. So Uh, using that and shipping in like non-perishables. And then I'd go to Amazon for like books or other items like media, but definitely a lot less now because I just Instacart everything. I don't like dealing with people, so I'll just pay someone else a little bit extra and uh, uh, let them do all the work. So I guess it's moved from like online shopping for ordering things to now I just pay somebody else to do my bidding. And then hopefully they arrive and don't mess
3: it up, which they do sometimes.
1: And uh, the best thing about Thomas is that he, unfortunately, he's used Instacart so much, apparently, that in this sh- same episode, we tried to do kind of a prices right situation. I wanted to see if, if even people here at Freeways had any idea of what the you know, must of the gallon of milk was or things along those lines. And, uh, let's just say that, uh, Thomas's Instacart uh, usage. Really had it paid off for him when it came to guessing the right price. Uh, Thomas, start with you again, bud. How (laughs) much do you think this costs? This is four sticks inside salted Kroger butter as well. $4.99. Like it, Mary? I'm going to say he's pretty close as an avid butter person, although I do buy unsalted because... I like to control, I like to know how salty it's gonna be. Um the uh I'm gonna say probably Thomas, you said four fifty? 99 nine. Four ninety nine. I'm gonna yeah. say four fifty. Oh, Mary, you are one penny off. Four dollars and forty nine cents. I oh. love it. Let's go. You're the next contestant on the price is right. Now I feel I'm like I should this- also uh, I, was yeah. gonna say, I feel like i'm also kind of cheating because i am the one who primarily does the grocery shopping in my house yes. so i am very aware of some of the prices it's the instacart prices they're inflating them and making me think it's more expensive i that's, I th- that's my theory right there <laughs> uh, uh thomas is off <laughs> he's an easy one to get some clever clips out of and uh I want to get a little bit more serious again, right? The, the point of this clip show is to review areas of uh, this show and technology in particular that have been hot topics over the past couple of years. And one area, um, of course, uh, we all talked about like what? 2021, 2022, so many unicorns in this space is visibility. But I think the biggest problem and a lot of where people and retailers are pointing to is, okay, visibility providers, you got our data. You got data from partners, you got data from third-party partners, you got data from everywhere. Well, what are we going to do with it? And one of my favorite providers of actionable visibility tools is Tithe. And when we were at Manifest this past year, I got a chance to catch up with Krinar, the founder and CEO, uh, at their booth and ask him really that exact question, where do we see the future of visibility tools going? Well, here's his answer in this clip as well. We've talked before on the show, actually, but it's yes. finally one-on-one. That's <laughs> the best part about these things, right? Is you get to see everyone face to face, and so it's a, it's incredible to meet you in person. And Same here. Uh, thank you, I appreciate that. And uh, uh, visibility, I love to write about it. You love to help me learn more about it, so yes. we've got this fun uh, relationship through that. And you were on a, a wonderful panel yesterday on the state of visibility. Tell us, uh, from your point of view, where exactly do we? Start? and even more so in the future of getting to this end-to-end true visibility yeah, dream that everyone considers uh will of course help with a lot of waste in the industry
3: yeah i would say even if you look at the panel yesterday when it was a pretty strong panel there was a couple of uh, panels before that like a day before we we're talking about visibility i would say we're still in the Feels it's not nascent. It's not just the beginning, but yeah. we're at the stage where companies are starting to realize exactly the value they're getting from visibility. And one guy said, which I like, is like it's like sugar. You want to you want more of it? Yeah. And you can't. I just. There's no way we're going back to a place where visibility is not a thing anymore. Every it's table stakes. Everybody's gonna have it. I so agree. That's I would say yeah. the stage we're in right now.
1: Where do you think we're at in getting to a point where we can truly? capture maybe a large majority of our operations from maybe uh something leaving the field food right we're sort of talking about a lot of what you do full chain right to getting into the end consumer how far away are we in your mind from being able to, to have a consumer truly see that full line or its supply chain see every piece of that is it is it a 10 year 20 year 30 year and 10 sooner
3: I think we're not fully, there is technology to make that happen. However, the cost of technology to make that happen today is still very high. Yeah. So we go all the way from the field, all the way to the consumer's doorstep. It works all the way to the retail store, but yeah. to go to something where it's last mile, so I think it's becoming a little challenge, it's challenging today. The other part that we're in, I think, is getting to connect all those data points and making sure that those data points, those connections are accurate so you can actually paint that picture we're not there yet either. Yeah. So I think in maybe five years, yeah. five to 10 years, two things are gonna happen. One, I, I believe the integration and standardization around visibility networks will get better and the data will get more standardized. And the second thing will happen, the cost of overall connectivity and trackers and hardware, the things that we sell to go on to shipments will also go down. So that convergence between those two points, which is the integrations and standardization together with the cost of chipsets going down it's going to create a, a proliferation of visibility to make that reality happen
1: that's a good point i mean even the <laughs> the supply chain the uh management of the tools that we need to even create right at five tag or for everyone else that's for the industry uh the hardware right is going to take time to, to develop as well that's uh, it's an incredible talk and you know i touched on something that another brought up as well and that's the collaboration and integration between partners in order to pull off some really advantageous uh, operational uh, efficiencies within our supply chains too. We also had on the show from C3 Solutions, Mark Tompkinson, and he touched on this as well.
0: Yeah, I, that, that's a good question, right? I don't think that there's there's necessarily any technology that's impossible to adopt, but some of them are definitely going to be uh, more complicated. Like I, I was comparing... Uh, blockchain for example which is something that has great potential for enhancing um, transparency and security within the uh, supply chain industry but at the same time it would require a significant shift in our infrastructure in our processes and would most likely mandate like industry-wide agreements and collaboration which to be fair might be quite hard to, quite hard to achieve in the coming years but But despite these challenges, I do think that this technology is going to play a role in the future of our industry. And it's important as service providers that we already start considering its applications and planning for its integration today.
1: And where we are seeing, of course, uh, some difficulties, we're also seeing some very interesting advancements as well. In the last few episodes that we've had on here, we focused on good old buzzword of artificial intelligence. And I, I think there's two areas that I want to touch on for this. One is AI that's going to allow uh, barriers of entry for retailers, and particularly their suppliers, uh, designers, fashion designers in particular, uh, that can use this technology to, of course, improve uh, and, and enter the space and make this uh, more open for vendors and e-commerce and merchants of all sizes. Uh, Check out this clip here of this uh, technology. I think that's really cool. Just really the tip of the iceberg. Now, in general, it can take three to eight months for any style by an artist to actually reach production. That's a long time. In fast fashion, uh, if if Kim K is wearing it now, all the girls want to wear it tomorrow. So three to eight months, we're going to have a totally different Kim K, probably in a different marriage by that time. So you need to make sure that you're keeping up to date with the latest fashions. Well, there's vendors called Kala, uh, Eva Engines in particular. And there's a really interesting case study that I wanted to showcase to you with Kala, with a brand called Public Transportation. And shout out to the brand. It's pretty cool. I checked out their site. But check out this video that showcases to you how easy it could be for even someone like yourself to become a fashion designer today.
4: I've been skating for like 10 years now. Straight, every day. I feel like once you start skating, you get hooked instantly. Nine times out of 10, you gonna eat Yo, the worst thing though, is when you're skating and you rip your pants. (laughs) I get inspired by the small things. You gotta pay attention when you like transitioning. People don't even know they're fresh. It could be like a construction worker got the illest double-knee pants on. Upload it to the app and keep it pushing. Skateboarding is my sewing machine, and the world is my fabric. You got the city of Atlanta on your back, pretty much. Going from spot to spot, I'm looking for inspiration for the next drop. I tap into a different zone. And when I'm skating down the street, I just be cruising. With skateboarding, the fashion always stood out to me. It was just like the way people would wear their shit. So nonchalant. When you're piecing together a line in the streets, it's kind of like piecing together an outfit. It's like you're on a runway. When you wear public transportation, you're wearing the streets of Atlanta. When I first started public transportation, I wanted people to feel like they were putting on Black Box. Oh yeah, they ain't ready for this. Lurk mode. Ooh. Fire. That raw blue denim with the light stone wash. Double knee because it's durable. Laser engraved, perfect, fine detail. If you skate, you're gonna fall. You just gotta make sure you got on the right clothes we taking public transportation to the next level.
1: So that right there is just a one piece of really cool AI technology again that's breaking barriers as well. And one of our most recent guests also showcased how Code if, uh, with Mike Seance is of course uh improving customer support and service too. Uh check this clip out to see exactly what he means here.
2: <laughs> Regarding like e- e-commerce customers, like they're constantly getting like the, where is my order request, right? Or they have to answer these really tedious, high volume questions that it doesn't make sense for for you to call into an agent or wait for a response. Uh, You should be able to resolve these in real time. So CODIF enables uh, customers to resolve a lot of those kind of quick requests. Like, So for some of our customers, like Reserve Bar, which is like a high-end alcohol delivery company, or Good Eggs, like an Instacart competitor... Uh, we allow customers at uh, volume to uh, and scale to self-service and automate those requests, which has been very successful uh, for for these companies. And we're also enabling agents as well with tools that are able to allow them to uh, respond better to customers, be trained more effectively. And in regards to the logistics companies, like the trucking and three PLs, uh, we've been able to res- work with a lot of like customer care teams or. Uh, like working with those repetitive requests, because uh, in in logistics as well, there's there needs to be like, for example, an update if the shipment is delayed, or if shipment needs to be changed. And oftentimes, there's those high volume requests that don't necessarily need to be resolved by like a a full on customer care team, or you could automate a lot of those um, as well.
1: And last but not least, uh, you all know, one of my favorite things about doing this show is also diving into the history of retail. And you also probably know that I do the show Great Quarter Gals, too. And and how women, of course, are important to our economy is, is very important to me, too. So here's just a brief clip of one of my favorite segments, which dove into how women in particular and their history has related to retail. Uh, we're looking at a time right around the Industrial Revolution where women's rights and um, honestly women in general were were pretty held back when it came to um the public. Uh you know, they were centered around centered around their homes. Um most of them if not married were working um with their families on the farms, um still within their their four walls. Um it was Pretty scarce to see women out in public. Um, it was one of those things where if you were a woman walking alone, it was very suspicious to men, very suspicious to other women and families. To you know why that would be happening. It's clearly a different society than we're living in today. Well, during this time, we actually had the industrial revolution. Right, we started to um, s- started seeing different types of applications um, and. Um, refrigerators cars vehicles start to hit the household Um, and during that we also saw the development of the modern-day department store now a lot of you are probably laughing because clearly nowadays we're talking about whether or not department stores should exist can exist can they compete with Amazon can they not but during this time that was a revolutionary idea And for a lot of women, it actually changed the way that their lives um, exist even to this day. Um, So during that time, women were finally allowed to leave the household and were able to go to these department stores and do the majority of the shopping for the family. It was their first time where they felt free to go to places in public and not be judged and not be um, looked at or, or thought oddly of groups of women spending the day together, um, whether it was in a Sears or at a a large department store like Harrods in London, um, they finally got a chance to make their way into what we call the urban marketplace. Um, Until this moment, with a department store as fancy as they were with really nice restaurants and finally a place for a lot of them to use public bathrooms, um, the urban marketplace was no longer a dangerous world. Um, they're able to go buy furniture for their family, find textiles um, for their clothes, and, and really start to provide and make decisions for, for families in general. It became a day trip. It's, it's funny. You know, we look at stereotypes, and they all come from someplace. And a lot of times, you know, it's women is love to shop. It's more of a, a feminine type of activity, um, as some like to say. And that's where a lot of this actually stems from. At that time, it, it was a feminine activity. It was their chance to finally be free, for them to have a reason to leave the household and to spend these day trips with other women, visiting cities they've never been to, visiting restaurants within these department stores that they never got a chance to experience. Um, you have the Macy's restaurants in New York City could hold up to 2,500 people. Um, so for to a location to have that much Seating available for, for women was, was huge at that time, and it was safe for them. I think that's one thing that people don't understand is that women in general didn't feel safe going out in public, but these stores finally gave them a chance to, to spend the day and, and enjoy themselves in a way that wasn't completely surrounded by family. Um, and with that came jobs. I mean, Herod's alone had 6,000 employees. And by the time the department stores were really hitting their road. Well, first of all, hair journeys. Uh, that was a fun uh, look back at uh, all this right here. So uh, interesting enough. But no, uh, that right there, right, showcases a lot of what my passion is. And again, I'm not going anywhere. This show content is going into The stock out. We're going to have a really great time with Mike creating some interesting interviews. We already have some guests who've been on this show lined up for The stock out. We also, of course, have some new guests lined up as well. Uh, him and I, I think, have different ways of looking at the industry. So it should be just a really interesting way for us to bring you the same content, which is maybe a little bit more spice to that. Too. You know how I like to just kind of Uh, wild card. Well, that will make it a little bit fun too. And of course, there's other stuff you can catch me on. I'm still on Great Quarter Gals. You can see that on Tuesdays with me and Kaylee Nix bringing you that same uh, female driven content that we always like to do and bringing wonderful women on the show. who are a part of this industry too. On top of that announcement, we're going to be at F3. Great Quarter Gals will be there uh, on the third day too. So make sure you head to Live.freightwaves.com and get your tickets for the event, the Future of Freight Festival in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you went to it last year, you know it was a wonderful time. Well, imagine how much better it will be this year, too. And I'm just, again, excited to be back in town with all the Freightways family, enjoying some really great uh, supply chain content with everyone, too. And then, of course, check me out on the radio show every night, Monday through Friday. 5 to 7 p.m. on the Road Dog Trucking Channel, channel 146 on Sirius XM, and give us a call at 8888 Road Dog or 888-876-2336. So had a wonderful time doing this show. Thank you all for being a part of the community. Make sure you check out the stock Out, and you will hear from me on Monday now at 2 o'clock on the Stockout with Mike Bowden-Distel. Thank you, everyone, and have a great rest of your year. I'm going up